Amen. You may be seated. My name is Nick, and I am so glad that you came to worship with us today. Every Sunday here at Holland Chapel is sweet, sweet worship, but it's a little bit sweeter when we all gather here on Easter Sunday. And I am so glad that you've chosen to be here with us. It's gonna, it was a wonderful worship gathering at 9 o'clock, and it has been thus far. And uh, just great to celebrate our risen Savior together. Uh, as you think back uh, on Easter's past, you may recall some memories, some family traditions, uh, certainly Easter baskets and uh, maybe some family Easter egg hunts. Many of you may have some later today. At some point, uh, several years ago, our family discovered the um, wonderful thing called money eggs and uh, so all the little kids then learn to find the egg and shake the egg and see if there's any money in it before they put it in their basket and that's been a tradition of ours is hunting Easter eggs for many many years maybe you recall all the churches that you have friends and family in or maybe the churches that you have visited or or been in in the past and you recall the sweet sweet worship on Easter and, and I was just thinking last night about some of those places in my life and some of those pastors and friends that I know and just wondering just how loud our worship collectively can get on Easter Sunday as we think about all of those bodies of believers worshiping as well. Now maybe you recall uh, some old hymns from the past, maybe a up from the grave he rose, maybe anybody, I had a few people say they were humming that all uh, week long and that's about as much of that song as you're going to get from me. But uh, we will certainly be singing it at our house later on today. Maybe you recall Big Easter Productions from a church that you were a part of or a church down the road. I'm looking right now. It's playing in our 75 for 75 corner, the day he wore my crown, which was a staple here at Holland Chapel for many, many years. If you want to know more about that or our 75 for 75 campaign, please visit uh, that corner of the lobby. But the day he wore my crown comes to mind when I think of Easter memories. And certainly, at some point today or maybe this week, you and your family have read the resurrection story. And we're going to certainly get to that a little bit later on. But this morning, we are in a new series entitled Jesus Matters. And what we want you to know is that Jesus matters more than anything. And he matters to our everyday life. We're going to be looking in the book of Colossians for the next four weeks, uh, reading through the book of Colossians and studying about how Jesus matters. This week as a church family, we want you to read along with us. We're going to have uh, videos, devotional videos every day or four days this week uh, for the four chapters of Colossians, reminding you where we're at and encouraging you to read along. So be looking for those on social media. And I just want to challenge you that you've made week one. So there's three weeks left. We want to challenge you to join us through Mother's Day for this series and, and, and see how that Jesus Christ matters to you. This morning we're going to begin in Colossians chapter 1. If you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles there and as you go, I'm going to share with you a little bit about what Paul is uh, dealing with and the topics that he's talking about the, um, the reason for his writings. It's written by Paul as he's in prison, one of the many times that Paul was in prison. Uh, it seems like every time we read about Paul, he's in prison, and this time was no different. He was in prison for announcing Jesus Christ as the risen Lord. 
And obviously the people didn't like that, and so he was in prison. And he's writing to a church at Colossae, a church that Paul had not met. He did not, had not personally met these people. In fact, Paul did not found this church. Uh, Paul had heard about this church, and he was encouraged by their faith. But he also knew that they were facing some serious cultural pressure to turn from Jesus. They were facing some misunderstandings about who Jesus really was. The culture was pressing in on them and offering them some new ideas, some, some wrong ideas. And so Paul's desire in Colossians is to encourage them and to remind them that Jesus matters, that he alone is worthy of their devotion, just as he is ours today. And as I was studying uh, the book of Colossians, it was pointed out to me, I did not know this, but Colossians uh, really amplifies the supremacy of Christ maybe more than any other writing. And so when you're reading the book of Colossians, Paul is just really hammering home the point that Jesus is supreme over all. And you're going to see that over and over and over again. But before getting into the everyday things that a relationship with Jesus affects, Paul in uh, chapter 1 in verse 15 writes what's known as the Messiah poem. And that's what we're going to look at today is verse 15 through verse 20. We're going to read it one verse at a time and kind of unpack a little bit of it. It's so rich and there's so much in just these five verses about the supremacy of Christ. Again, false teachers were spreading these misconceptions about Jesus, and Paul's trying to elevate Jesus. And you're going to see as we read this that there's no doubt, there's no room for wonder, for, for uh, any kind of question. Paul makes it very, very clear about the supremacy of Christ and why Jesus matters. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The Bible says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he is supreme over all creation. You see, Colossae was battling these misunderstandings, and I believe we still do today. I believe we still face these same misunderstandings about who Jesus was, not only in the world, but in the church as well. In the world, other religions would claim that Jesus was an, an angel, uh, a prophet, maybe some kind of a guru. Unbelievers would say that he never existed or that he's just some man from a storybook or a really good teacher. I actually had a student a few weeks ago, uh, I was asking this individual uh, why it was that Jesus Christ could pay for our sins and what made Jesus his sacrifice perfect. And they told me their answer was because he had overcome his own struggles and his own sin. And that's why Jesus was able to die for us. As sad as that is, and as crazy as I know that many of you think that is, that's the kind of misconceptions that our world is telling us about who Jesus was. It's a far different story than we read in this book. But I believe we have misconceptions in the church as well. I believe that sometimes we may rank the Trinity. We might think that, well, there's God the Father, and then there's Jesus just a little bit lower than God. Maybe because Jesus doesn't come on the scene, we think, until the New Testament. Or maybe we realize, we think that Jesus is not quite as powerful. He's not the Almighty. But that's not what we read in the book of Colossians. That's not what Paul tells us. Paul makes it very clear who Jesus is. For his readers there at the church at Colossae and for us today, verse 15 says, He's the visible image of the invisible God. That word image there means likeness means that Jesus is the perfect image, the exact likeness of God. Jesus himself in John chapter 14 said, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. 
He said, if you've seen me, you've seen God the Father. Nature can reveal God's power. We look at nature and we see God's creativity. We see God's wisdom. We can even prove God's existence by nature. But only Jesus reveals God perfectly. It goes on to say in verse 15 that he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creations. That word supreme, you're going to see it again in this passage in just a few verses, and your version may say firstborn. It's important to to note here and to distinguish the difference. It's not firstborn in, in terms of order of birth. It's not talking about Jesus was the first person born. It's speaking of rank. It's speaking of place, status. The nation of Israel and King David were also called firstborn. The nation of Israel was not the first nation, and David was the, the last born in his family. So we know that that word, that word means supreme. It means rank. The idea is the right or a privilege of the first son of a monarch that's going to inherit power and authority. So when it says Jesus is the first born, it's saying that he's supreme over everything. I threw in this rhyme, my friend Chris Simmons, he likes rhymes. I didn't come up with this, but someone said he's the ultimate authority with supreme priority. He's the ultimate authority with supreme priority. Paul says he's supreme over all creation. And isn't it interesting as you read scripture that creation knows it. The winds, the waves, they obeyed Jesus. They realized that he was supreme over all creation. They had no doubt about who was supreme. They obey him. And I wonder why that's so hard for us to understand. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of not giving him the supreme authority and not giving him the same obedience that the rest of his creation gives him. You see, Jesus was more than just a man that came on the scene in the book of Matthew. He's more than just a guy who shows up in the New Testament. He's supreme over all. The Bible says he was before anything. And not only was he there, but he's responsible for creation. Look at verse 16. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in this unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. As you read that first word in, the verse, in verse 16, it says for. It is translated to, be, to mean in Greek because. So you could read that he is supreme over all creation because through him God created everything. He's supreme over all because he created all. We read in the book of Genesis that God created the heavens and the earth and we're guilty of forgetting that Jesus was there. We think that God was there alone, but Jesus was right there. Paul makes a list there of the things that we see and the things that we can't. He lists thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. What he's doing there is he's declaring Jesus superior to any being that the false teachers could suggest. See, they were throwing out other things that the church at Colossae should worship. They had them worshiping angels. They had them worshiping these other beings. And Paul is saying, anything you can come up with, Jesus is greater than. Anything, Jesus is greater than. And you may not have caught it there in 16, but he also answers probably the two most asked questions of all time. Two questions that are still being asked today. Many young people in this room probably have asked this question recently. Many of you in this room have probably asked this question before. Question number one, does my life matter? 
We've all asked it. We've all said, does my life matter? Why does my life matter? Verse 16, Paul says, everything was created by him. Your worth is in the fact that you were created by God. Your life matters because God created you. You matter to God. Therefore, you have worth. Ephesians 2 says that we are his masterpiece. Gives us this idea of like a a, a perfect painting. And we are Jesus' perfect masterpiece. So you matter. Yes, your life matters. You're loved. You have a purpose. Jesus loves you and he wants more for you than you could ever imagine if you'll just trust him. So when we ask, does my life matter? Colossians 1.16 says, yes, it does. Paul also answers the question, why am I here? In the very same verse. Everything was created through him and for him. You're here for him. You're here to have a relationship with the one who created you. In doing so and in living for him, you're going to bring glory and honor to him, the only one who deserves it. So why am I here? Your purpose is to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ, the one whom you matter to. Paul goes on, verse 17, he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. That sounds just like the song we just sang. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. I love it that Paul just keeps mentioning the same things over and over again. He existed before anything else. Paul wants to make it very clear who Jesus Christ is. And he didn't just create everything and walk away. He holds it all together. It's kind of comforting to know that every breath you take, God knows about it. God's holding every breath you take. God's holding everything we need together. The Bible tells us that he'll give us all that we need, that he takes care of his creation. A few years ago, Louis Giglio Uh, pastor, speaker, evangelist, he preached a message on this topic about Jesus holding all things together. And it was pointed out to him uh, from a professor of microbiology uh, that there were these molecules in the human body called laminin. And you've probably heard this illustration before. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it. It's really mind-blowing if you want to go and look it up and spend some time there. But laminin, Louis, describes as the rebar of the human body or the glue of the human body. This molecule called laminin are cell adhesion molecules that hold one cell of our body to another cell of our body to another cell of our body and literally holds us together. And in his message, Louis Giglio says that Jesus is the laminin of his creation. He literally holds us together. Verse 18, Paul goes on and says, Christ is also the head of the church which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme. There's that word again, over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. He's head of the church. That word head has two meanings in Greek. It means source and origin, or it means leader and ruler. And Jesus fulfills both meanings. He created the church, and he's in charge of the church. Pastor Todd said one time, if the church was a town, he'd be the mayor. If it was a country, he'd be the president. If it was a team, he'd be the general manager. Jesus is head of the church. He supplies the church with life through his spirit. He gifts individuals to to serve and to build the church, and he nourishes it through his word. In membership class here at Holland Chapel, you'll hear that Jesus is the head of this church. 
We are his body and he is the head. Paul says there, he is the beginning, the supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he's first in everything. That's that supreme firstborn again. Jesus wasn't the first to be raised to life, but again, he's given priority. He takes priority. Why? Because his resurrection meant hope for the world. His resurrection means salvation. His resurrection changes everything. If we weren't here celebrating a risen Savior today, I don't know what we'd be doing. (laughs) Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. We've got to read just a real quick passage that makes all the difference. We're going to turn back to Colossians, so don't lose your spot, but... Speaking of Christmas, or not Christmas, why am I speaking of Christmas? That was, that, where did that come from? That's not written down anywhere. Whew. Speaking of Easter memories and traditions, it's not Easter if at some point you don't read the passage where they went and found an empty tomb. Luke chapter 24. Verse number one, the morning that everything changed. Verse one says, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. I can only imagine what that must have looked like. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. And then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. And he did exactly what he said that he would do. And that's why we worship here every Sunday. Not just today on Easter, but we celebrate that. Every Sunday together and every day of a believer's life should be a celebration of the fact that our Savior is not dead. He is risen. That's why we should live differently than the world around us. That's why Jesus matters. I'd love for us all to say that on the count of three. Jesus matters. One, two, three. Jesus matters. See, I learned from the first worship gathering. I didn't give them one, two, three, and it was all over the place. Do it again. One, two, three. Jesus matters. He's alive. It changes everything about our lives. Look at verse 19 back in Colossians. Let's finish off this poem that Paul writes. Verse 19 says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. In all his fullness, Paul again is trying to clarify these misunderstandings. He says, in all his fullness, says Jesus was fully God. All the wisdom, all the power, all the glory, fully God. In all his fullness, God lived in Christ. Philippians gives us a beautiful picture of this. This is the other, uh, you don't have to turn there, this will be on your screen, but it's a, a beautiful passage illustrating what Jesus gave up for me and for you. Verse 6 says, though he was God, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. That's what's 
mind-blowing as we read Colossians, this Messiah poem, as we have elevated Christ above everything. And he gave it all up. Gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. The visible image of the invisible God came to earth. He gave it all up and he came here. And you might be in the room and you might say, well, why in the world would he do that? Why would the person who is supreme over everything humble himself and give it all up to come and live among us. Paul wraps up this poem in verse 20 with the answer to that question. And through him, Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. He did it for me and for you says that word reconciled there. It means to restore to friendship or to harmony. If you've ever been in a broken relationship and you've been reconciled, you have a really good picture of what that means. But did you know that we had a broken relationship with our Creator? It means that we were restored to, to friendship, into harmony. In order to be restored, that means we must have been at odds. The Bible tells us that we were enemies of God. Sin separated us from God. Hebrews 9 tells us without blood, no one can be forgiven. There's no remission of sins without, blood, without the shedding of blood. And so Jesus' perfect life, having left heaven, having given up all the divine privileges, his perfect life here on earth was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Jesus matters. He's the supreme God creator of everything, holding it all together, a lifeline to peace with God. And the Bible tells us that if you'll put your faith in him, believe this word, his word to be true, admit that you've sinned and that you desperately need him to be your savior, that the cross will hold you in a relationship with God, reconciling, making peace. Remember, I mentioned earlier that Jesus was the laminin of his creation. If you look up laminin in, in any medical piece of literature or scientific piece of literature, this is what that molecule looks like. I'm not making this stuff up. And if you look under a microscope, this is what it looks like in your body. Jesus matters. Jesus Christ, the supreme over all, created you, created me, offered us salvation with his life and his resurrection, holds you together. Does he matter to you? You matter to him. I matter to him. It brings me joy. Does he matter to you? Does he matter when you wake up in the morning? Take that first deep breath. Does he matter to you at night when you lay your head down on the pillow and think about all that maybe you've been blessed with that day or maybe all that you'd endured, maybe all the hardships or drama or just all the love that you've been surrounded with? Does Jesus matter to you in that moment? Does he matter to you on 
Easter Sunday morning or does he matter to you on some Tuesday in July? Does he matter to you when you're here at church or does he matter to you when you're with your family, your co-workers, your friends? We might say, yes, he matters to us. But does our life really reflect that? That's the question this morning, church. Does the fact that Jesus Christ is supreme over all, gave all those divine privileges up to come and die on a cross to pay for your sin and for my sin, to reconcile us, to bring us back to God, and rose again three days later? Does that matter to you to the point that it looks differently in your life? It should. Because as Paul said, he's worthy of it. He's the only one that's worthy of it. Jesus matters, and without him, nothing else does. This morning, I'm going to pray in just a moment. And when I say amen, we're going to sing two more songs of celebration. It sounds so wonderful when we sing together and the house is full like this. We're going to shout out how Jesus is our hope, our living hope. And if you need to respond to what God's word has said this morning, at any point during these two songs, we're going to have some friends back in the Connect Corner. Maybe you need somebody just to put their arm around you and pray for you as you kind of get things back on track. As you kind of have been awakened to the, to, the, to the idea that Jesus wants to affect every part of your life. And you need some accountability. Or maybe you just need to know who this guy is. Maybe, maybe you have no idea who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for you and how much you matter to him. And you need to talk to somebody that will help you answer those questions. Respond during these songs. Respond at some point. Don't leave here having heard God's word. Elevate Christ to the supreme over all creation and not let that matter to you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the clarity we see here. And Lord, I can do very, very little when it comes to explaining all this. But I pray that your word has opened eyes, has penetrated into hearts that will cause lives to be changed, Lord. Because of what you've done for us, because of how you continue to hold us together, because of your incredible love for us, Lord, I pray that we will be a people who would live differently who everything about us would shout that Jesus Christ matters to us please continue to be magnified this morning in Jesus name I pray amen